Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. so excited to be here. How, this, this happened first service, but how many loved the calisthenics and exercise and exuberant praise today? Yes. How many woke up kind of like, oh, and like, oh man, maybe just another hour? Anybody? And now you're like, I'm alive. I survived. Yeah. So that, that was me this morning and yesterday morning uh, for Love Explosion. I was like, oh, if I could just sleep a little longer. Hadassah crawled in bed with me. And, and I was like, okay, I think I can get 20 more minutes. And I look, I kind of peek my eye out and she's doing one of these, you know, trying to keep her eyes closed to go back to sleep. It wasn't happening though. So anyways, I feel amazing now. We're going to call up Steve Bowen and Sarah Deeds and let them share a story about yesterday's love explosion. And then we're going to tell you how you can get involved even if you weren't here yesterday. Uh, so we're going to give them this microphone. Actually, I did need Nicole's microphone. So um, I just thought it'd be fun. Yellow, I guess. Yep. There we go. Yeah, we had a really good time yesterday. Uh, a lot of people showed up. And we did several different projects throughout uh, the, the city of Tip. And it went even as far as Troy. We went, went out and had a really good time. One of the big ones that was interesting that when uh, Micah and Tiana uh, got together to plan the outreach, we all met together at, uh, at the coffee shop. And all three of us really felt like we should do a nursing home outreach. It was really weird. We were just, we all just came in, we started talking and it, it, we started talking about touching people's lives and, and, and then somebody said, I think we should go to a nursing home. And I said, well, I think, I, I just was thinking that in my car and Micah had the whole same thing and it was just awesome to be able to see what had happened. And so I was talking to somebody uh, just before I came in today and, and she says that love is a choice. Love is a decision. And, you know, Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love with several different flavors. Love is action. And so, and then Patty reminded me today, she goes, you know, kindness is worship. And I thought, boy, we're really getting it all. We're really getting it all here. But uh, it was interesting that the nursing home was just off the chart. The staff people were so shocked that we showed up to give away really good tissues, not the... Uh, not the concrete tissues that you know you get, but really good tissues. And, and one of the, the person who was talking to me earlier, she said it was so cool to be able to declare prophetically over a couple of people just how their lives mattered to God, and how at this stage of their life that God was pleased with them. And both people cried, both people wept. And the moving the moving story that really got me was like oh, like I'm old, but I'm not well. Some people I'm really, really old, but to me, I'm not really old. But going and seeing some, some people who are, are, are really old, you know, who are at the end of their lives, that they get a little bit confused. And one of the things that a few people says, do we have to pay for the tissues? Can you imagine being somewhere where you say, do we have to pay for the tissues? And then say, no, 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 they're free. We're showing you God's love in a practical way. 
And just, just how that, that so touched that, those people's lives. Our story, our team went to, to, up to the BP uh, filling station. We washed windshields, and we gave away $5. We had a few $5 cards. We gave, gave it away. And the big story, there was a lot of big stories, but one of the big stories was Otis pulls in in his, his uh, 1990 or something, I forget, uh, GMC truck. And so I'm talking to him about this truck. Man, you got a great truck. It's so cool. It's full of rust. You know, it looks really cool. Yeah, man, I've got over 200 and something thousand miles. So we had guy truck talk. It was really fun. But uh, so we talked to him. We, you know, we washed his windshield. Said, man, that windshield hasn't been washed in a long time. And I remember standing on his tire trying to get, you know, trucks are washing it. But anyway, he pulls out to go out of the parking lot and his tie rod falls off his truck. I mean, you know what a tie rod does? If you don't know, it steers your wheel. And, when, and what happened, it fell, so he, it would have had no steering, and his whole tire just went sideways when it fell. And so I'm looking, trying to figure out what had just happened. So I ran up there, and I, I said, what happened? He said, man, my, my tie rod. And he showed me his tie rod, and both ends were totally rusted away. There was no, nothing to even hold it on his, on his truck. And so I helped him get his truck back. We just drug the tire back. And then it just dawned on me what had happened. He had, his life had been spared. His tragedy had been inverted. And so, you know, went up to, to, to open the door and t started talking to him. I said, Otis, I just, I'm just going to go for it, man. Do you know the Lord? And he looked at me. He says, yeah, I know the Lord. But I didn't think he really did. But he, you know, he said, yeah. And so I said, can I pray for you? And the, give me, the giveaway for people who don't know the Lord sometimes is when you pray with your eyes open, you watch them. And I was praying for him, and he still had his eyes open. And so, so people know the Lord sometimes I'll shut him. But so anyway, I was really going for him, praying, and thanking God for sparing his life, thanking God that he didn't end up in a wreck on 75, thanking God that he didn't hit another car where they could have been, I mean, just on and on. And finally, he realized what had happened, and he, he went, <gasps> like that when I was praying for him, and we were able to, bl to bless him and encourage him. Well, later on, Tiana, who's part of my team, uh, we're getting ready to leave. I'm, I'm getting all the trash out of the trash cans, taking them to the dumpster, cleaning up the place. And she, she had $5 left, and she thought, who do I need to give this to? And she said, Otis, I need to give this to Otis. So she went up and had another conversation. We're so glad that you weren't wounded. I mean, just you know, laid it on, all this stuff. And said, so we want to give you a token to remember us today. And here's $5 just to bless you, to encourage you with a card. And so I go in, and, you know, so that was great. So he walked away. So I go in to take the trash bags back to, you know, say, hey, thank you for letting us serve. So I put the trash bags back. And Otis is, st is standing at the counter, pointing out the door, sh holding up the $5 bill, talking about the card to, to the owner of the store and an another guy in the shop. Isn't that amazing? But isn't that amazing story? Here's, here, here, here's the deal. What if we hadn't been there? Seriously. And so, you know, all, I'm not throwing a guilt trip on us. I'm just saying it's important to go. I'm not laying any guilt trip. I'm just saying, you know, it's, I'm so glad that we were there. I'm so glad that we were able to really t reach out to people in our community. And uh, I'll just lift that, that guilt trip there. But it's true. Mm -hmm. Every day we pass yeah. people. Every day we can be kind. Every day we can love people. And it's just, it's just so much fun. I had a good time. So I'll stop preaching. So. That's amazing. Well, hey, guys. So um, I went out yesterday with uh, Kristen, and I'm um, not sure if she's here, but um, it, was, it was amazing. And 
if any of these stories scare you guys, and that's awesome because God's stirring your heart to get out there and go. And, uh, you know, if, if you, if you look at it, stopping for the one, you know, not just even yesterday, but every single day of your life, you know, there's people, there's hurt and broken people every single place we go. Um, just a few stories. I'm trying to think, what do I share? Cause so many awesome things happened yesterday. Um, our group, we went to hand out flowers and roses to businesses and just to encourage them and to bless them and their businesses. And the beauty of it is, is we don't have anything planned. We just let the Holy Spirit lead. And so it's just such an adventure with him. And um, uh, one story I'll share is um, a lady, um, I'm not sure the name of the shop, but uh, before we walked in there, I just felt like she had such a gift of just creativity. And then when I met her, I realized she owned three shops downtown. And I just started just letting her know, hey, we're just here to bless your business. We would love to just pray a blessing over your business. And we talked for about 20, 25 minutes. And she, stared, she, she shared stories how, you know, people would come in and just be just drawn to like a piece of art or something and where they don't even know the Lord. And she just said how um, she loves how we would just, we were just coming just to bless her business and that. She was so touched. Um, another gentleman, his name's Tim. He owns Iron Dog. He's amazing. If you don't know him, go meet him. He's awesome. He's very creative. And uh, we went in there. And we just said, hey, you know, we're just here to bless your business. And he, again, he was so touched. And, you know, they allowed us to bless their business. And, um, and it was so interesting because we had so many flowers. And so uh, we went to, excuse me, we went to a, a Grounds for Pleasure. And um, we gave them a few of the cards. Some of the cards on there said, uh, I can't remember what exactly it said, but it just, it, it just talked about just a love explosion. We're just doing this just because you're loved. And that was our modem. We, you know, we weren't trying to get anything in return. Um, but we went in there and we gave a few of the cards to the coffee shop. And we said, hey, you know, bless some people with free coffee today. And so as we did that, there were some people in there and we were handing out flowers. And they were like, oh, well, how much are they? And we're like, no, they're free. Just because you're known and you're loved by God. And they looked at us like, what? You know, and they're like, well, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm like, that's awesome. But you are so known your love that God just wants to bless you today. Like, that's it. And then so many people were like, well, can you pray for me? And like, it was just opening doors, opening doors, opening doors. We're like, of course we can pray for you. And so God was giving words of knowledge. And so we were, you know, praying for them and just encouraging people in their walk with the Lord. And it was just, it was beautiful. So many people were touched and encouraged. And, um, we got to pray for a lady with MS. She was in a wheelchair and we were uh, walking by and we said, hey, you know, it's a beautiful day. We're just here loving on people. Would you like a flower? And she was like, well, sure, for what? And we just said, just because God loves you, there's no other reason you're known and you're loved. And then she asked for prayer. And so we're praying for her. You know, I believe God's gonna heal her. And um, so it was just so many people just got such a, a touch and such a reminder of God's love. And you guys can do that every single day. You don't need a flower. Um, we were getting ready to leave. The last story I'll share, um, we were walking by these three ladies sitting on a bench and as we were walking by, my heart just like broke for this one. Just like, I felt just God wanted to honor her and who she was. And, and I thought, well, I don't have a flower. And the Lord's like, you don't need a flower to love on somebody. And so I turned around to her and um, she was maybe mid seventies, early eighties. And I just honored her. I said, the Lord is just highlighting you to me. Uh, I said, he just wants to know, he wants you to know that He's so honored in the way that you have stewarded his heart and just, just kept just speaking into her life. And she started tearing up and her daughters were right next to her. And they said, you don't understand what you just spoke over our mother, everything that she's been through and da, da, da. And so they specifically asked for prayer. And it was just, 
it was amazing. And that didn't have anything to do with a flower. So I just really encourage you guys, you know, ask the Lord to stretch you this week. Ask the Lord, like, stretch me, like, put me in a place where, you know, I can speak love into somebody because our relationship with God, it's supposed to reflect his love. So if we just have that mindset to stop for the one, it's not about anything we do. It's about Holy Spirit speaking through us. And you guys all hear his voice. So get out there and love somebody this week. Love you guys. Awesome. So a couple of the teams uh, went out. They gave out waters and granola bars to the bike path. Um, somebody went to the laundromat, paid for people's laundry for, for an hour or so. They went to clean up a yard that the city had called us for. They're like, we know you're a church that does stuff in the community. Will you guys clean up a yard that's been a problem for us? And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll totally take care of it. So the team gets there and uh, their family had already cleaned it up. So that was actually a huge blessing to know that's who should be taking care of that woman. So anyway, it was fun. Um, but here's the deal. If you missed out, no problem. We have another one in November and we're actually going to be uh, prepping for that coming up. And we're going to have big Ikea bags here a few weeks leading up to the one in November before the week of Thanksgiving. We're going to ask you guys, our goal is going to be 100 turkey dinners. Steve's like, that might be a little much for a church this size to get 100 turkey dinners. I don't think so. So I think we can do 100 turkey dinners. Uh, you can have some friends take, take a few bags to your workplace. I know that there's people at my work that would actually do turkey dinners. And then we're going to bring them here the, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. We're going to bring them to the church at 9 o'clock and then go just crash uh, neighborhoods and houses and just come with turkey dinners for people and families uh, that might be in poverty. So we're excited for that. We'll give you more details. Here's the other thing. We have a love well wall. So if you missed yesterday, you need some fun ideas, take a heart off the love well wall and go do something as a family. But today we have 30 bags at the front doors waiting to be take, taken out uh, and dropped off at businesses, maybe for your waiters or waitresses today. Just go take a few per couple. Please, no more than three per family. That way, everybody. Last time we did this, the 9 a.m. took all the bags, and you guys didn't get any. So we held 30 bags back for just you. Um, almost all of them were taken from the first service, so we kept 30 back. Uh, so anyways, they're for you to take. Go um, bless somebody. They're full of snacks and stuff. They're great for break rooms. So you could take them at a business and say, this is for your break room or, or whatever. So anyways, fun ways to get involved. Uh, thanks for everybody. Ken, we had about 40 people come out yesterday to serve and be a part of this. So it was awesome. We love you. All right. You guys ready for a quick word? Good. Then you're going to be activated. All right. So we're excited for that. We're going to change things up and in service. Just a little different today, um, but you never know what you're going to expect with us. So uh, go with me to Genesis 3, 1. Huh? Genesis 3 1. <laughs> huh? Hey, we are so excited. I know Nicole said it at the beginning of service, or, or Ashley or Amy. Amy said it at the beginning of service. We're so honored to have Kelly and Tony back with us today. Thankful for Dave and Diane to pick them up, but can you just stretch your hands out to Kelly? She was involved in a pretty bad car accident a few weeks back, so she is fast on her road to recovery, but let's pray that God expedites this process, all right? So God, we just thank you for Kelly, we thank you for Tony, and we just bless them right now. We pray you remove all pain from her back. We pray you align that spine, align the vertebrae. God, we even pray dissolving of metal that's in her body with your alignment, God. Perfect healing. Just, God, expedite the process. And we thank you for Kelly and Tony. We thank you for their home. We pray peace, healing, and freedom in their home and creative miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. We so love them. All right. They've been running with us how long? 
12, 14, 16 years since early on in the upper room days. So we're uh, just so elated that they're here today. So we've missed you. Welcome home. So, all right, Genesis 3.1. We're going to talk about shame. All right, I want to tell you the difference uh, between sin and shame. And I want to talk about how shame is so connected to pride. And how many know that shame and pride can debilitate us so much and paralyze us and keep us from our destiny and our calling? So hopefully by the end of today, you walk out of here and shame is gone, pride is gone, and we can live free the way the cross and Jesus intended us to be totally free in every area of our life. So let's go to Genesis 3.1. It says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God made. One day the... He asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, let me, let me just read between the lines there. At this point, they only knew good. So at this point, what the serpent's saying is, you'll actually, your eyes will be open to where now you'll know good and evil. God put them in a perfect place to delight in, him, in them and for them to only delight in him. So it's this place, and it says, now you'll know the difference between good and evil. The woman was convinced. How many know that sin is introduced in our life typically in seed form, and it's typically a thought? It's typically a small compromise. Samson's demise was not Delilah. It was actually touching the jawbone of a donkey to actually do a righteous thing with it. He, was, he had taken the Nazarite vow. He wasn't to touch dead animals, eat of grapes. So these things begin to become compromises in his life. An affair or an adulterous affair doesn't just fall in your lap and happen. It usually starts with a look, a compliment, something that's a bit more a seed form that then builds and gets bigger from there. So sin doesn't just usually fall into our lap. It's usually a series of events that happens that typically starts with a thought. So it says she was convinced. Then it says that she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. Let me just, let me just pause right here for a second. So see guys, we want to typically blame the women and say that it was their fault. And, and it was women that it was the, the fall of humanity to sin. Let me just be real with you guys. If we had been courageous and strong enough and actually the spiritual leaders of our home, it wouldn't have happened. Let me just be real with you. It wasn't Eve's fault. Adam had an equal, if not more responsibility to love her and cover her where she actually only searched for the Lord for her freedom and happiness and being fulfilled by Jesus, by the Lord himself, the creator, the father, and then Adam. But what happened was her eyes, I believe this, I believe he began to remove covering and not be the spiritual leader. So her eyes began to venture elsewhere. So it's actually Adam, it's men that have a responsibility to cover their wives in such a freedom that they're always fulfilled in the Lord. It's our responsibility to make sure they're strong and that they're doing amazing. So it's both of them. It wasn't just Eve that fell. Let, let's, let's keep that in mind. So then it says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Eight, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. 
Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, now here's the interesting thing. They had been naked up to this point. They've been totally free, totally confident in who they were and whose they were. Totally just admiring the beauty that God had created them to be in their identity, in the garden of who God was. And they're totally free and naked and comfortable. Suddenly sin comes in, shame's introduced, and now they're hiding. They hid themselves. They covered themselves with fig leaves. And now they're hiding from the creator that created them. And he says this, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Now listen, here, here's kind of where I'm going with this. Sin may take you to a place, but it's shame that keeps you there. Sin may introduce something in your life, and sin may, may get you to a place of darkness, but it's shame that actually keeps you there and debilitates you the, the most, in my opinion. Shame is defined as this in the Webster's. It says, a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety, which means I've done something wrong, and now I feel terrible about it. So, so here's the deal. Shame will keep you where sin got you. Listen, here's, here's the Lord and here's how good Jesus is. He came to the cross so that everything would be removed and we could walk in total freedom again from this moment. This moment actually separated us from God. It didn't separate us from his love. We'll read a verse at the end that, that kind of proves that, that I read a few weeks back. Listen, nothing can separate you from his love. So no matter what you do, don't do, no matter how long you're there, no matter what you did while you were there, nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. But see, all of a sudden, humanity fell to sin and it separated us. It is hard to have a long distance relationship. Anybody with me on that? So when we're choosing sin over covenant and we're choosing to live for ourselves and what our pleasures are, she said it looked good. She was convinced. The enemy had convinced her. So all of a sudden, she started listening to another voice rather than the father who created her. She started veering out of her created identity of who she was supposed to be and actually started listening something outside of those boundaries and started believing the lies of what the enemy tries to convince us. Listen, how many have, have fell into this? I, I fell into this. I've lived there. I've been there. And, and it's crazy then what happens is it's not, it's not the sin that is the most damaging. It may have got you there, but it's the shame that's actually the most damaging because it keeps you there. It begins to convince you that you're not good enough. Shame convinces you that you're not worthy. Shame convinces you that you're not good enough, so you must cover up. Shame convinces you that you actually have to run away from the very thing that created you for your purpose and your destiny and the goodness of God. Shame actually takes you out of who you were created to be and actually places you outside of the garden where you weren't created to be. Shame does these things. Shame makes us be isolated. Shame actually convinces us that we can do it on our own. Shame creates insecurities and we begin to hold on to these lies that aren't true. Shame, shame takes us and keeps us in a place that's actually more dangerous in my opinion than the sin itself. But here's the thing, that's the tool of the enemy. The enemy, listen, the, the, Christ, the cross and what Christ did on the cross, it freed us of everything. So here's the revelation I got, and this is what got me to this message uh, a few months ago. Nicole, she preaches this amazing message on shame. She's going to close it out here and, and pray over each of you. But here's the deal. She preaches this message. I said, Nicole, I got this great download. This, you need to add this to your message if you ever speak that again. And uh, so this week we're processing, and, and we're just like, and Nicole's like, I feel you need to share this. So here's the deal. Sin was entered in through temptation from the enemy, but shame was brought on with ourselves. It was shame was brought on after that decision. So here's the deal. The cross removes all sin and everything. 
But sometimes there's a process. See, shame made us start thinking different. So when we remove it, we actually have to start thinking different again. So shame made us begin to believe that we're not good enough, we're not worthy, we're not saints, we're still sinners. When the cross freed us, so now actually it's on us to begin to think differently and walk out in the freedom that we were, very, uh, that we were created for. So it's shame that convinced us otherwise. Now, after we're free, we actually have to create, we have to walk in the process of what that is to, give, to, to, to get further freedom from the shame and the pride and the mindset that we've so long walked in and being convinced that we're still a sinner. So, so listen, there, there's a difference between sin and shame because shame actually is only the, the effect of what the cause was. Are, are, you, are you with me? We've talked about program, the ifs and the thens. If you sin, oftentimes shame is going to enter in because we allow that. Listen, many of us, we can't just mess up and, 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 and be cool with that. We actually now carry the guilt to say, oh, we're not worthy. Let, let, me, just, let me just go further into this. Sometimes it's not the sin that we even did. It's sin that somebody else did to us that entered shame into our life that we're still walking out and trying to figure out and it's controlling us. Let me give you an example. When I was, when I was young, I, I was abused. And for many years, I walked in this shame of something that happened to me. It wasn't anything I did of my own. It wasn't what I did to myself. But sin causes damage to something or someone. No matter what, sin always causes damage. So whether you're doing something to somebody else or, or you know, you look at all these things throughout history of genocide and all these crazy, ridiculous things that people have done and the enemy is used for evil, sin hurts people. Sin destroys people. So what happens is sometimes that sin will come into our life and somebody's decision to sin, somebody's decision and choice and somebody's uh, uh, walking out and evil will actually hurt us. And then that created shame in my life. So when I grew up to be a teenager, I decided I was not going to let shame control me anymore. And all of a sudden I was big enough to make my own decisions. So I became a partier and I began to just, just serve alcohol. And, and what I mean by that is live for alcohol. And I began to sleep around with as many women as I could so that I could prove that that shame wasn't who I was. And I began to prove that I was actually somebody else. So then pride set in. Because now, see, see the, 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 what pride and shame have in common is it both focuses on self. That's the, that's the correlation there. And that's where I'm getting at. That shame and pride are so closely knit. Although they look different on the outside, it's actually the same root because you're still serving self. So when shame comes in, you either have two choices typically, that you'll become introverted and inward focused, that way you become externally bound. So all of a sudden now it's about me and I'm not good enough and so I, I just shut everybody off and everything off of my life and I begin to only serve me and I'm insecure and, I, and I'm, my head's down often. Or what happens sometimes the opposite, and I went through a phase of that in my life, and then when I got old enough, I went through this other phase that actually pride in her in to overcompensate the insecurities, and pride came in that I was still serving myself, but now I thought I was the best at it. So now I'm not teachable, no one can tell me anything. Why? Because I'm still as much guarded in pride as I was in shame, because I'm still not letting anybody else or the Lord in or anything in to help me get to the root of the issues of what shame was introduced in my life in the first place. I'm just kind of building the foundation here of what, what the good news is. So all of a sudden, shame and pride are so closely knit because it's still a focus of self. One looks totally different than the other, but both are still self-focused. And now I'm overcompensating in pride here that I'm not teachable. I've got it together. I don't need to do this. Listen, I I'll just tell you what freedom looks like. 
Freedom actually looks like freedom in every area of your life, in every realm, in every facet, in every truth that's in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. That, that's the difference here. That in both of these dangers, in both of these issues where sin may have got, all of a sudden freedom still looks the same. And it looks like a start at the cross. And it looks like love, hope, and Jesus. That, that's, that's where this is. And, and it's amazing how when they were in the garden, here sin had entered, and then shame they took it upon themselves and they covered themselves and they're hiding from the Lord. Here, now, now there's a verse in the Bible later on and it says that actually nothing's hidden from God. It, it makes me wonder, sometimes I wonder these questions and this is just to kind of get you in your word a little bit. Why was God asking where they were if he always knew where they were? Because it comes to our, this is my opinion, it comes to us. He already knows our heart. But there's something powerful about me admitting it within myself. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. There's, there's power in confession to the Lord. And it says even confess your sins one to another. Why? Because now there's accountability. Now I'm actually being real with myself. Let me, let me just share a story with you about, about this particular subject. My wife and I, when we gave our, our lives to ministry and we gave our, our hearts to Jesus, our lives to ministry, there was a thing that we were starting to have children. They were young. They were babies. And I just remember promising this one thing. I said, Lord, I'll give you my life for ministry. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. The only thing I ask is that you protect the purity of my children. It's the only thing I ask. I said, I'll give you everything. The only thing I ask in this deal is that you protect my children. This is the first year of, of, of ministry for us. And, and it wasn't just a little while longer that one of those, one of one of the things on, in my opinion, his end of the bargain uh, wasn't held up. So uh, I'm honestly just ticked, hurt. You know, I'm like, but Lord, I, I, I gave you everything. We've given you our life. And a couple of years that went by and we sacrificed so much to, to, to serve and to submit and to just really give our lives to the Lord and ministry. So when this was challenged, I, I had a good friend, Nathan Dalton, and he, and he said, and I told him everything that was going on. And, and I said, man, I'm just mad at God. And, and I'm just being real with you. I can actually say I've been mad at God because he already knew it. So many of you have probably been mad at God as well. It's no difference of having it in your heart and actually speaking it out to him. But to us, there's something powerful. When I released that word to him and said, I'm mad at God, all of a sudden he's like, Aaron, you just need to have it out with God. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you need to, we were at a retreat. He's like, you need to go down to the lake, go to a dock, do something, and just like yell at him if you have to. Just, just, just have it out with God. So here's the thing. I went out down to the dock, man. I yelled my guts out at him. <laughs> I didn't cuss him out. <laughs> man, I really had it out with God. And he just began to just bring some answers and some clarity. And most of all, he brought peace to the situation. And he's like, you're, you know, just different things. So anyway, if you're thinking it, if it's in your heart, he already knows that you can't hide it. But what the point is, why did he ask it? And I think it's this power of saying, yes, this is how I'm feeling. I'm actually angry right now. I'm actually hurt right now. I'm sad right now. Listen, you have the freedom in here, in your small groups, in your life to share the emotions that are actually raw in here. Bruce... Bruce went through a really tragic situation last year. And I just remember I was, I was in LA on my way to New Zealand and I just remember asking him, Bruce, what are your raw feelings right now? What are your raw emotions? How are you really feeling? 
And I just remember, I'll never forget his response. I think it was through text, actually. I may have already been in New Zealand. He's like, thanks for asking. You're the first person to ask that. And he just listed exactly how he was feeling. It was a super long text. And, and it had his real language, his real words of what he was feeling. That was so freeing for me to hear that he's not in denial. He's not, this is how he's really feeling. Now we can get somewhere. And, and I just think there's something powerful in that. Adam, where were you? He's hiding. Adam, where are you guys? Adam, Eve, where are you? What, what are you doing? What are you up to? So here's the deal. There's so much freedom when our shame actually disappears because we know who we are and whose we are. Even the shame that was put on us by somebody else, maybe an abusive relationship, maybe an abusive father, boyfriend, ex-husband. I, I, I don't know what that looks like for, for anybody in here, but listen, there is something that Jesus came for. And it wasn't just to get rid of your sins. It wasn't just to, so you could happen to make it into heaven. It was so heaven can actually make it into you and you think like him and you walk like him and you're actually totally free. Not just from sin, but shame, pride, and any other junk that we've tied onto and held onto and become our identity. That's not who God's called us to be. Let me wrap this up. And um, I know there were some, some band members that were gonna come. Shame makes us think unlike the way we were created. Shame makes us hang out in some areas of isolation and distance and avoidance. Let me just be honest with you. Adam avoided confronting Eve when his destiny in his life was on the line. What would have happened? What would history have looked like if Adam stepped up to the plate and actually was a man and didn't avoid and actually confronted a heart connection and actually called Eve out on the carpet? What would have happened if Abraham had actually stood up to his wife, Sarah, when they were kicking Ishmael and his mom out on the curb? What would it have looked like? Listen, Islam is from the seed of Ishmael because he became an orphan. He became fatherless. So, so what it would it have looked like if Abraham actually stood up to the plate and didn't avoid controversy, didn't avoid conflict, didn't avoid hurting somebody's feelings, but actually was a man and did what was right? What would history look like? What would our world look like? And, and I know there's redemption and reconciliation. I, I, I understand what happened in their lives and, and the father of many nations. I get it. But there's this moment in, in each person in the Bible, in my life, all these things that, man, you royally messed up. Now, there's redemption for that. There's forgiveness. Each one of us can say the same thing. I royally messed up. Man, did I make a fool of myself. Man, did I miss it on that time. Man, did I really, and, and I get that. But what would it look like if Adam and Abraham and so many others would have actually stepped up to the plate? What would this have looked like? So it comes with this thing that this shame and this pride sets in and all of a sudden we make terrible decisions and we avoid and we create this isolation, this bubble around us where no one can get in. Adam and Eve weren't being transparent or vulnerable. Suddenly they, they were self-inclusive and they were shutting everybody else off because of shame and pride. So, so we talk often about what well, the difference between transparency and vulnerability and and. How many like meatloaf in here, especially as we're approaching lunchtime? <laughs> Extra ketchup, please, for me. So you're doing the meatloaf. You throw all of your ingredients in this pan. And how many have made meatloaf before? You've actually made or seen it be made. Good. We've got some cooks in here. You need to come to next year's picnic, all right? Meatloaf is not the easiest thing to make. So, 
Anyway, you put it all in the pan. Now transparency, we, we put cellophane over that. We can see all the ingredients there. That's transparent. We can see what's happening. Transparency, transparency allows me to share what's going on in my life with you. I'm up here often sharing that. I'm, I'm in my personal relationships and boundaries. And, and the closer you get to me, the bit more sh I share, believe it or not. You're like, I thought you shared everything, most everything. So that's transparency. But vulnerability, see, they were hidden. They, 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 Adam and Eve separated themselves and they're hidden. So vulnerability actually means you take that cellophane off and you actually start to work in that egg and those crackers and that meat. And you actually allow access to allow others and, and the Lord to actually work in your mess. See, that's the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Shame and pride put a wall up and they actually just put a lid on it. And they don't let anybody in. They don't let anybody see it. They don't let anybody what's going on or anybody in there to help. And, and I'm talking even the Lord. Here they are hiding themselves from the Lord. So we need to just rip this off and say, here I am, Lord. You need to go to that dock and say, God, I'm ticked. And this is why. I'm telling you, shame, it's, it's such a powerful thing. But it is so freeing when it's gone. Same with pride. It is so controlling that makes me think I'm better than everybody else. Let me just be honest with you. The only difference between me and anybody else being up here with a microphone is that I actually believe it. <laughs> you know, the only difference between you and the guy owning your company is that he believed he could. We often say that the moment you get saved, you believe in him. But the moment you believe in you, you get transformed. Let, let me reword that. The moment you believe in Jesus, you get saved. The moment you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. That's such a cool thing. It's like the shame has to go, the pride has to go. It doesn't matter where you went. It doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter if it was somebody else that did that to you. It doesn't matter what you did while you were there. In my opinion, the powerful part about the prodigal son is in the hog pen. It's when he came to his senses. And then another version says he came to himself. He came and he had a revelation. He began to think differently. He had a conviction to realize that he wasn't being who he was created to be. He was letting shame and pride get to riotous living is what the word said, riotous living. But suddenly he came to his senses. He came to himself. What my, what I, my thinking in that is all of a sudden he started to believe how God saw him. He started to believe how the father saw him. And all of a sudden he's in the pit. He's in the mess, eating the scraps of what the pigs won't even eat. And in that culture, they couldn't even eat pigs. But he's stuck eating the scraps and the messes and the waste that they won't even eat. So here he is. And, and all of a sudden he came to his senses. Here's what I think. Suddenly he started to have a revelation of who God saw him to be and the shame and the pride and all those things begin to tear off. And link by link, chain by chain, I believe as he walked to the father's house, all of it began to be removed. So then by the time he got to the house, the father broke every customary rule, policy, law that was possible. It would have been the mother that ran out to the fence or the gate to greet him and kiss him one time goodbye forever. Listen, you made this choice. Unfortunately, we love you, but you have to leave. You can't come back. What the father do? The father sees him from afar. He says he ran. 
that means that first off, they weren't allowed to run at that time. It also meant he had to pull up his leg covering in order to run, another rule broken. He broke every rule, every law, policy, or whatever to actually show grace to the son because the shame was being removed. And then it was this covering. It was this beautiful picture of what the father does to us when not only he removes sin, but shame and pride and guilt and condemnation and anything. He wraps the coat around the son. He gives the, the, the ring and, and, and there's a huge message. I preach on this, but just in, in brief, he puts the sandals on his feet. He says, kill the fatted calf because we're going to throw a party. And, and, and then you hear in the background, the older brother complaining and all these people just kind of being jealous. And he says, no, nothing else matters right now. The only thing that matters is my son was lost, but now he's found. He had lost himself. He had lost himself to the decision he made to take his inheritance too early. And he lost himself to shame. He lost himself to pride. And he wouldn't come back to the home. But one day, one day, he has this revelation. He has this inclining. He has this thing, this shift in his heart where he says, today's the day that all shame is coming off. Today's the day that all sin's coming off. Today's the day where choices go away. Today's the day. So I'm, I'm here to tell you that today is the day of salvation. Today's the day. Today's the day where, where oppression breaks off. Today's the day where a rotten marriage drops off and you get a free honeymoon again. Today's the day depression falls off. Today's the day shame and pride and sin and things that control your life. Naysayers, people that have spoken curses over you, people that said you won't amount to anything. Today's the day it falls off. Today's the day of salvation. In that scripture, it's actually the Greek word sozo. Today is the day of being saved, healed, and delivered. Today's the day. Let me just, let me just go to two verses here. Hebrews 12, one through three, it says this. Let me just go right to two. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy or awakening in him or the joy set before him, it says he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Listen, if anybody had en endured shame to any degree, Jesus Christ endured the most shame that you could ever endure. And he did it for you and I to erase it. He took on he who knew no sin took on all sin. Why? So that it could be all forgiven. He took on all sin. Listen, it says, so that he could disregard shame. Shame came on, shame goes off. Now we think differently. We put on the covering. We put on the shame. Now it's up to us if we decide to take it off. He's already removed it. He's already taken it away. Now we need to think differently. Goes on to say this. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God. Think of the hostility he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Let me finish here. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. It says this. This includes, includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from God by your evil thoughts and actions. Again, we talked about that. Sin separates us from a relationship with God. Nothing separates us from the love of God. It says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Listen, this is how God sees us. God doesn't see what you looked on the computer last week or last year. He doesn't see you for who you used to be. He doesn't see you for the sin that controlled you or the shame that kept you there. He sees you as a son and daughter who are supposed to live freely for the purpose and your destiny and your calling. 
He sees you for who you're supposed to be, not who you used to be. He sees you for your destiny, not your history. So here it says that you're blameless without fault, without a single fault, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Listen, here's the amazing thing about this story. He says, then you actually have to believe it. You actually have to believe it. Don't forget it. Don't forget the good news. Don't forget this. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross to remove all sin and shame. Listen, this is, this is great news, isn't it? This is great news for you and me. It's amazing. I no longer am a sinner. I get to walk as a saint, blameless, without a single fault. I'm worthy. I'm good enough. It doesn't matter the mistakes of the past I had. What matters is the future that's set before me. Listen, we can, we can walk around and letting our past control us, then you're gonna live there and repeat the same mistakes you always repeated. One of the important things about history is that we learn it so we don't repeat it. But there is a reason your windshield is way, way, way bigger than your rear view mirror. Because what matters most is where you're going. You just need a little tiny reminder who you used to be. I don't wanna repeat that. I don't wanna go back to that 17 years old when I tried to commit suicide twice. I don't wanna go back to that guy. I'm going forward. I'm going forward without sin. I'm going forward without shame. I'm going forward without pride because I'm no different than you. I just believe what I'm saying. Stand with me. I just want to pray for you. I believe this. Probably most people in here know Jesus as Messiah. They know him as Savior and Lord. We can't assume everybody, but most people see you week after week. But do we know him as Father? Do we know him as friend? Do we know him as somebody who's actually running out of the house to wrap a coat on us, put a ring on our finger, put sandals on our feet and throw a party for us? Do we know him in that capacity? Listen, he is a loving father who not only died on the cross for your sins, but he died on the cross for your shame, your guilt, being full of pride. He died for it all. He died for, our, for us believing lies. He died for the curses that's been spoke over you. He died for all of this so that we can actually walk in true freedom in every area of our life. I just want to pray for you. Will you just put your hands on your heart? It's time that shame has no more room in our hearts. It's time that pride don't control us and we start just actually being different than self-serving and self-seeking. And we actually start living in our destiny to live with the Father, from the Father and for the Father. So God, right now, I just thank you for every person in here. I thank you for the call that's on each of our lives, God. I thank you that, that, uh, that we are called to be the head and not the tail. That we are called to be the, the lender, not the borrower. That we are called to be blessed in this city, out of the city, God. We are called to be above and not below. We are called to be saints, not sinners. We are called to be the forgiven, blameless, without fault, God. God, I thank you. I thank you for the mindset that you're putting in this place right now. I thank you that we can think differently as free sons and daughters. I thank you that we can think with your mind, the mind of Christ. I thank you that we no longer have to think insecure and overcompensating our weaknesses. But God, you make us strong when we're weak. God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. We bless you, Father. We thank you for the cross that set us free, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that sons and daughters walk out of here free with no cast on, 
No bondage, no chains, God, no chains being oppressed or depressed or, or holding us down, God. But I, I just release a blessing over every person in here. God, Father, I release a blessing of sonship, a blessing of identity, a blessing of knowing who we are and whose we are, a blessing that doesn't include sin, shame, pride, or guilt. Right now, a blessing of freedom, a blessing of freedom. God, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for freedom. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that we are the joy that's set before you. We are the joy that was set before you. Each one of us individually, personally, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just take a moment and just...